0: Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that this morning? I need to really hear it from you this morning. Do you believe this morning in the words that we just sang? That we have a God who carved the earth, who who made the canyons, who created the water, who created the stars, who created the universe? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that on that cross that he gladly bore your sins? And then he died and took those upon himself and then was resurrected on the third day to prepare a place for you and for me with his father. Do you believe that this morning? And 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 I'm going out of order here. And I say this then. If you can honestly say that you believe that this morning, then Christ Church, this is not a time for us to slow down. This is not a time for us to use careless words and to say hurtful things. This is a time for us as a congregation and as a body of believers to rally around what we just sang about. To rally around that mission and that cause which has stayed the same since this church began, since Christ stepped foot on this earth, and that is to win the world to Christ. And as a church now, more than ever, we need to stand together, unified, praying for our leaders, praying for one another, bearing with one another. And we need to keep our eyes focused on God and the mission that he has laid for before us. Not the mission of any man, not not anything that that we have created or conjured as our own little kingdom, but we need to stay focused on the kingdom of God. Can we do that, church? And let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. And and Lord, I I just, there's an elephant in the room this morning. That God, here we again find ourselves searching. But God, it's funny because you've never left, left us. And though leadership may change, the mission is the same, God. The mission for your people is to win the world to Christ. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we would not be fearful. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that we would recognize that every single one of us has a purpose. We have a calling to serve you and to love you. The book says it very plainly, to love God and to love others. And so I pray, God, that now we would recognize that this is not a time for us to be fearful. For you told us in the book of Psalms that we are to fear no man. You gave us that ultimate demonstration through your son, Jesus. And so, God, let us not believe in a small God this morning. Let us believe in a great God, the mighty God, the powerful God, the one God, you, who is the creator and the perfecter of everything. We thank you for the time that you had john panter here lord i've gotten this question a ton god this week that we spent all this time and all this effort in finding him and he's gone in such a short time but lord your will is perfect and you had a specific purpose for the amount of time in which john was here and you used that in his life and in ours god and so as we have questions as we have thoughts i pray that we would not get stuck in them but we would continue to move forward for your sake we love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You me be seated. Forgive me for my little uh, rant there. It's actually very appropriate for this morning. Um, as, I, as I was reading the scripture passages, and I'm sure uh, I want to pl- applaud Tim Zephro for getting all those names and, and for reading the word of God passionately, because that's, that's a lot. But I want to say this. When we handle the Word of God, we should handle it like like Tim did. He he read it with passion. He read it with excitement. This is not a boring book. It has exclamation points in it for a reason. And we are engaged with this book, not merely just read it. We are engaged with it. And I have to be honest with you. When I first engaged in this portion of Scripture, I asked the question, what in the world can I honestly get from this portion of Scripture? I've got a bunch of names of people who abandoned Paul. I've got a bunch of names of people who stuck by Paul. And I've got the conclusion of a letter. But then I really began to think about the context of all of this. And two people came to mind. Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson. (laughs) And bear with me, bear with me. And the reason I say Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson, because I don't know how many of you remember that show. If, 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 you're, if you're over the age of 30, or, or it's probably a, uh, an old TV series. If you're under the age of 30, it was a cartoon. But everybody's kind of always seen Dennis the Menace and Mr. Wilson. And so I went back last week and I watched a couple episodes just to make sure that my recollection, recollection of this was right. And as a youth pastor, I watch this very differently now. And I, and I see Mr. Wilson as this grumpy, old, crotchety guy who has tons and tons of wisdom. When you watch the show, you actually see that Mr. Wilson actually knows what he's talking about. He's, he's like a connoisseur of flowers and gardening and a, and a real estate mogul. He, he's on the move. He's got a lot of good information. He's just very grumpy. And the thing that I've come to the conclusion of is the reason he is grumpy because he's actually a young man trapped in an old body. Then you've got the blonde-haired demon child (laughs) who when you really watch the show and you go back with, with, with a certain lens on, you look at Dennis and you say, this kid actually wasn't a bad kid at all. He was just hungry for somebody to disciple him. And as I watched Dennis the Menace, I was floored by the realization that hit me. There are no Mr. Wilsons anymore. And Dennis the Menace has stopped going and asking for help. And my heart kind of broke. Because when you watch Dennis the Menace, there's this episode that I really honed in on. It was, and some of you may remember this, it was an episode where, where Mr. Wilson was building a rock. A garden, or a rock path to the outside of his house, and, and Dennis kept coming over and saying, Mr. Wilson, what you doing? Mr. Wilson, what you doing? And Mr. Wilson would frustratingly say, oh, I'm doing this, this, and this, and this, and this. He was grumpy about it. And then finally he said, hey, kid, you know what? Why don't you go get your buddies and go make a rock collection, and I'll give a dollar to the kid that gets the best rock collection, in an attempt to just kind of be rid of the, the kid. And so Dennis and all of his buddies, they scavenged the neighborhood Finding different types of rocks, and every couple of minutes they would come back to Mr. Wilson, and frustratingly, Mr. Wilson would invite them into his house, and he would say, That's quartz, that's granite, I don't, that's a tail light, I don't know what that is. And and he would speak truth into their life. And as silly as that may sound, I don't see that today. Mr. Wilson, at the end of every episode. But it always comes to term with Dennis. They would have this struggle where they were struggling to grow together. And and Dennis would have this big revelation of of how he should treat and respect people. And and he talked about in this specific episode the importance of loving his neighbor and showing Mr. Wilson that he could help him. and, And finally at the end of the episode, Mr. Wilson breaks down and says, oh, Dennis, I love you, buddy. And I'm here to tell you as a youth pastor today, I'm watching a generation of kids grow up without Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson was a necessity in Dennis the Menace's life. He needed the mentoring. He could have really been Dennis the Menace, but he probably turned out to be Dennis the okay guy because he had a great father who poured into him. He had a great mentor in Mr. Wilson who it wasn't always sunshine and roses actually poured into his life. Young people, Dennis the Menace had a heart about him where he was willing to listen. He didn't have to always be right. In fact, he kind of went into everything expecting to be wrong, looking for wisdom to be poured down upon him. It's not just that there's no Mr. Wilson's anymore. We don't have the heart of Dennis the Menace anymore, young people. We we get so caught up in trying to figure it out on our own that we put ourselves through pains and hurts that we shouldn't have to because there's a generation of people who have been there, done that, and they want to help you. So shut up and listen to them. Amen? Amen. And as a youth pastor, I really struggle because I listen, and I'm going to use old folks and young folks. If you're over the age of 30, you're old. If you're under, you're younger, okay? (laughs) And so I listen to old people say to me all the time, all them kids, they never want to listen, they never want to this. And I hear young people say, all oh, those old people, all they do is yell at us and this. Listen to me, everybody. Old people. Until the day you are under the ground, you have a purpose to love others. And young people, until the day you become an old people, you have a responsibility to accept and embrace the wisdom that should be poured upon you. Old people, I need you in my life. Young people, I need you in my life. We need each other in our lives. And when we look at the entire book of 2 Timothy, that's what we should get out of it. You've got a young preacher by the name of Timothy who Paul is looking to carry the church. He's carry, he wants him to carry the mission on. Can you imagine what the response would have been if Timothy had said to Paul, you know what, Paul, you've been there, done that. You've been on the other side of things. I totally get it. But I can do this on my own. And what if Paul said to Timothy, look, punk, I don't like the way you dress. You kids come in here in Ephesus and you run around, you go to the temple of Artemis, you do your thing. Why don't you just go make a rock collection? Can you imagine? Hold people. people. I need you to pour into my life. I grew up without a father. And had it not been for the wisdom of old uncles, I would be a train wreck today. And I give all that glory to God. It's all because of God. Amen. You can clap for that. And I'm going to tell you right now, we've got a group of young people in this church that are fantastic. They have a hungering and a thirsting for God like I have never seen They need you, old people. They need you to pour into their life because they're fumbling their way through, hungry for truth. And they're not getting it from the world. What they're given from the world is heartbreak and lies and told to be tolerant when being tolerant is actually the most intolerant thing you can be. We have a generation problem. That the book of Timothy is trying to address for us. When we look at the book of Timothy, it it goes through this beautiful, beautiful uh, thing where, where Paul is pouring into Timothy. He says, I want you to endure for the sake of the gospel. You have a responsibility, Timothy, with all the garbage that's going on in this world. I want you to endure for the sake of the gospel. He doesn't want Timothy just to buck up and rub some dirt on it for the sake of being tough. He has the mission. He's got the proper vision of what this is supposed to be. And it's for the sake of the gospel. And he pours into Timothy's life for the sake of the gospel. In chapter 1, he talks about being righteous. In chapter 2, he talks about the importance of entrusting and equipping others and taking the words that we heard preached and teach them to reliable men. We need that. That lineage didn't stop with Timothy. It continues to us today. Chapter 3, he says, be confident in the Lord. And here in chapter 4, Paul goes on about how he feels abandoned by people. But how quickly people have given up on this mission, this hard mission. It is a hard mission. But we're not called to give up on it. And Timothy and Paul have this relationship that when you have a relationship of discipleship, when you have a mentoring, mentoree relationship, you're so less likely to give up because you know that you have a prayer warrior. You know that you have someone who has gone before who may know. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're sitting in this church and you're a believer in God, you have a lineage. You have people who mentored you. You have people that poured into your life. Shame on you if you're sitting there and not pouring into somebody's life. Because God has blessed you with the knowledge of Jesus. And we all agreed to it this morning, didn't we? We said amen. We said we believed those words. We have a responsibility to pass those words to the next generation as Paul has instructed Timothy. Old people, you're not dead yet. Stop acting like it. And I mean that with as much respect as I can muster. Because you Have a purpose. You have wisdom. You have knowledge that people like me and younger than me want to know about. Young people, soften your hearts and accept wisdom. Have a conversation with somebody that wears different clothes than you, have a conversation with somebody that listens to different music than you. It's okay. It's okay if we smell different and like different things. There's a lot we can learn. From one another, the reason why the world 's in such a wreck is because there are no more Mr. Wilson Dennis the Menace relationships. We need that mentoring time. We need to be like Paul and Timothy. Paul goes on to talk about how he was brutalized and, and, and who to avoid. Can you imagine if Timothy walked into Ephesus and, and went up to this this knucklehead that attacked Paul and hurt Paul? Timothy would have the same thing done to him but instead he listens he's ministered to and the gospel will continue the book of Timothy is a beautiful book written to a pastor for the sake of carrying on the gospel and church we have a responsibility in this lineage he says in verse 19 that He wants him to greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus talks about he stayed in Corinth. He left Trophimus sick in Miletus. He says, "Do your best to come before winter." There's such a desperation in those words. We read those and we think, "Well, he wants him to bring his coat. He's just cold." Paul's saying, "Come as quickly as you can," because Paul is on his deathbed. Paul knows his life is coming to an end. And he wants Timothy to come to him so that he can pour wisdom onto Timothy on his deathbed. I can honestly say that I have been with people as they take their last breath, and I've never heard a single one of them cry out for their bank account, for their employees, or for their boss. But I've heard them call out for their grandchildren. I've heard them call out for their spouses because there's just one more thing that they want to tell them. And it's always about loving God. It's always about having a relationship with Christ. And they always start out with something like, I'm sorry I didn't get this right and this and this and this, but I want you to know God loves you. Share that message. And it breaks my heart that sometimes I see people walking around waiting to die when we should be walking around sharing the love of Christ. We should, we should in such a way, I understand this concept, and I want to explain this to you, that nothing that we do on this earth will make God love us any more or less. I need you to know that. Like, if you are the most fantastic Christian in the world, and you save a bajillion people and all that... God's going to love you just as much as the guy that just accepted Christ right before he died. That is not why we do what we do. The reason we go out and we share the gospel message is because we're called to love others. The reason that we go out and we share the gospel message is because we get to. Ladies, how many of you would be excited on Valentine's Day if your husband comes with this beautiful bouquet of flowers and says, I got you this because I have to? You see my point? We get to serve the living God, the creator of all things. We get to be in the court of the king. The Bible tells us we win. I love playing on a team and it's already fixed. I know I win. There could be a lot of pain, there could be a lot of hurt in this earth, but ultimately, we win. And what we're being asked by God and by Paul and commanded here to do is to simply go around and talk about it. Not because we're some dutiful thing, but because we get to. If you believe the words on the screen this morning, for the love of God, why aren't we telling everybody about that? Because that is good. Your, Your life is a wreck. Your life is in shambles. You're dying from this. You've got this going on. Man, that's terrible, but let me tell you, there's still hope for you. And we can share the good news of Jesus with people in their darkest moments of their life. We can share the good news of Jesus with people in the best moments of their life, in the youngest moments of their life. Somebody once told me, in, in, as I studied to be a youth pastor, they said, you want to make sure that you get young, vibrant students right out of college. And I thought to myself, oh, okay, I'll try that. And 15 years later, do you know who I look for as volunteers? The oldest people I can find. Do you know why? Because when that mentoring juices gets ignited in an old folk, they pour wisdom and love. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel like you don't have a purpose or a calling, come hang out in youth ministry. We'll show you one. Because the young people, they love it. They want to be poured into. And people, we have a responsibility to pass on the baton of the church. One day, I'm going to be old and gray and unable to do this anymore. Will I have loved the church as a body of believers in such a way that I trained somebody up? I went to Steelers training camp. I'm going to name drop here a little bit. I went to the Steelers training camp a couple years ago, the year that Marquise Pouncey was drafted. And I was having lunch with the current center of the Steelers named Justin Hartwig. I was having lunch with him. And I said, hey, man, what are you going to do? The Steelers just drafted first round your position. I mean, are you going like to try to like undercut this guy? Or are you going to work your butt off to get your starting position back? And do you know what he said to me? This floored me and stuck with me. This, this floored me. He said, No. I'm going to teach this guy everything I know. And I'm going to help him be the best center that he can be. Because the guy I played under showed me the same thing. And I was just sitting there floored going, I look at all athletes as egotistical men who are all about themselves. And here I just got this beautiful piece of wisdom from a dude who's thinking of more than just himself and his own paycheck. And Justin said, I'm going to teach him everything I know, and I'm going to go out good. And it was amazing, because you know what happened that year? The Steelers went to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they went to the Super Bowl. And you know what Marquise Pouncey did during his press day? He thanked Justin for pouring into him, because he said without that knowledge of players past, he wouldn't have been where he was at. Listen to me. There's a purpose for everybody. There's a purpose for everybody. Don't you dare sit there and pretend like God can't use you anymore. Cuz when we think God can't use us, that's when he can use us the most. And I'm going to tell you, the more the older we get and the grayer our hair gets, the busier we should become. Because we need Mr. Wilson's back in our neighborhoods. We need people who will stand up with our young people and lovingly tell them when their breath stinks. Who will lovingly tell them, now Mr. Wilson wasn't always loving, and let's be honest, we're not always loving either, are we? (laughs) But we need to be pouring into our young people. Young people, you need to be receiving the blessing. Because the day's coming when all of us in this room will be dead and gone. Will we have loved the future church enough to prepare our replacements? Will we have loved God enough to prepare our replacements, to mentor those who will carry the church on 200 years from now? If you're serious about being a Christian, then you've got to come to the realization you're all about replacing yourself. Because it's not about you. It's about loving others, and it's about God. God. That's what Timothy, that's what Paul's saying to Timothy in this letter. That's what he's saying. And he ends it with this beautiful little phrase. And I'm going to end this way this morning. He says, the Lord be with you, be with your spirit, and grace be with you. Church, we need to be unified now more than ever we know there's problems start talking about solutions start talking about mentoring because I'm going to tell you what God is doing amazing things at this church God is using people in amazing ways lives are being touched and it's not because of us But it's because we have have a great and powerful God. Old people, I commit to listening to you. Will you please pour into my life? Young people, will you too take that charge? Will you take that challenge to find someone who is 20 years older than you? I don't care if you're 50. Find a 70-year-old. I want us as a church to find people to pour into our lives. And if you're an old person, if you're a bajillion years old and you're sitting here this morning, then this is going to be an easy assignment for you. I want us to find people who are younger than us and pour into them. Get in their life. Know their children's favorite colors, for crying out loud. We need to be involved in one another's life in a spiritual way. Not Nebby to use a Pittsburgh word not nosy, not all up in your business, but spiritual grandparents, spiritual parents, spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters, spiritual sons, and spiritual daughters. We are a church after all. We say that. Let's act like it. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for the wisdom that you poured on to Timothy, this young pastor in this time of turmoil in the church. We think we have problems. Ephesus was a train wreck. But what happened in Ephesus touches us today. So I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would forgive us, Lord, where we fall short. Forgive us where we have lost our fire, and lost our sense of calling. Forgive us, God, when we have, like Mr. Wilson, got stuck on grumpy, when the reality of it is, is somebody was just coming to us for help. That sometimes when people are asking us annoying questions, it's not because they want to be challenging, it's not because they want to be annoying, it's because they just really want to know the answer. And so, God, as old people, I pray that you would help us to pour into our replacements. And as young people, God, I pray that you would help us to receive that baton with love and grace, that you would give us strength and courage to become the old people that have gone before us, that have passed this baton down. We thank you for our Christian heritage. We thank you that sometimes it may seem like everybody abandons us, like Paul says, And then just a paragraph later, he's talking about all the people that are still with him. Help us, God, as believers, to not focus on what has not gone right, but help us to focus on what you're doing and what is going right. Because God, the end of the book says it, we win. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege to serve. And thank you for the privilege we have to join in your ministry. all of God's people said, Thank you.